We are beginning the book of Jonah today. That's in the Old Testament. If you are unfamiliar with the stories in the Bible, that's okay. We're glad that you're here. If this is your first time, we're glad that you came. We know it takes a lot of courage to come to a new place and study the Bible with us. We consider it a privilege to host you. And so if the book of Jonah is something that you've never looked at, you don't really know how to find your way in the Bible, perfectly fine. Uh, I'll be reading from it, so if you don't know how to find the book of Jonah, no problem at all. But uh, I will say this as we begin the book of Jonah for the next number of weeks. Sometimes it's hard for us to really open our minds and our hearts and to really dive into a book like the book of Jonah. And that's for a number of reasons. One is because we sometimes think about Jonah as a kid's story. Because we heard it growing up as a kid, many of us, and if, if you're not familiar with uh, church life and you didn't grow up going to vacation Bible school and kids' Bible studies, then this may not be true for you. But for people like me who grew up, uh, I probably studied the book of Jonah as a kid 457,000 times. And so when I think about the book of Jonah, I just think back to when I was a kid coloring pictures of Jonah in the belly of this big fish and, and uh, all of the things that go with the book of Jonah. And so sometimes we look at it and we say, oh, well, you know, I'm an adult now. I, I study adult stories out of the book of the Bible. Let me warn you about something. Remember what Jesus said about coming into the kingdom of God. We're to come as little children. We're to come into the kingdom of God and we're to operate in the kingdom of God like little kids. Just absolutely astounded at how powerful God is and and the heart and the character of God. Do you remember how when you were a child you used to be mesmerized by all types of things? I think that's what Jesus means when he says to come to me as a small child. And so even if we think of the book of Jonah like a kid's story, That's okay. That's okay. Because it is relevant for small kids, but it's also relevant for us uh, in today's context. And those of us who would say, well, I'm, I'm an adult now. I've got a mortgage and car payments and responsibilities and burdens. Well, remember this. Some of the best stories that you've ever learned and retained were stories from your childhood. And so it's okay to think of Jonah as a kid's story as long as we don't think then that it doesn't matter for us anymore. That might be one reason that we struggle with really getting our minds or our hearts around the book of Jonah. Another reason that it may be difficult for us to do that is because, quite frankly, Jonah is going to tell us some hard truths. And we have to get ready to hear God speak to us from his word some what I would call substantial and difficult and hard truths. But I promise you that if you'll stick with it, if you'll, if you'll take the journey with the rest of the fellowship, there's some great payoffs. Number one, you're going to learn more about the heart and character of God. If there's one thing that we learn about in the book of Jonah, it is that God's heart for people comes shining through. I think that's a really important thing for us to understand as we step into the book of Jonah, that if we will discipline ourselves and stick with it and go all the way to the end, we will understand more about the heart and character of God. We'll also understand more 
about how God interacts with people inside the community of faith. And maybe today you're outside the community of faith and you're exploring what it means to live inside the community of faith. And this multi-week series is going to help you understand the way that God interacts with human beings that are inside the community of faith. And so today we're studying three verses. So I invite you to open to Jonah chapter 1 as we study the first three verses. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to be studying verses 1, 2, and 3 this morning. If you have your bulletin, you kind of see the outline of what we're going to be doing. Looking at God and his interactions. And we're going to be looking at Jonah and his interactions as well. And then we're going to be asking the question, what do I have in common with Jonah? Courageous question to ask. Three verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it, and to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, first important question, who, who has to restrain themselves from giggling when we say the word Tarshish? That's just so strange to me. I, I didn't. <laughs> it's it's so hard to say out loud. And so this is like a a course in seminary. It should be how to pronounce names and places in the Bible if you're going to be a pastor, and in front of people be pronouncing them. But but some important things we want to look at this morning. And the first thing is God's clear calling to Jonah. That's the first thing that we're going to be looking at in verses 1 and 2. His clear and certain calling. Here's what I want you to catch this morning in this whole section. When God wants your attention, he will get it. When God desires to lay before you exactly what he's calling you to do, you will know it. Now, there's a lot of us in here who might say, I've never had this type of calling that Jonah got. I don't exactly know what God has called me to do with my life. I've never had this uh, mountaintop experience moment where God has just unrolled everything that he expects for me to do for the rest of my life. And here's what I want you to understand, because oftentimes we look at God's call to Jonah and we immediately go there. Well, God's never shown me what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Well, he didn't do that for Jonah either. He gave him one specific task. And so if you can say this morning, God's never laid out my whole life for me. You're in good company. Because he hasn't done that for so many people. But I want for us to look at God's call to Jonah. Because it certainly is clear and it certainly is calling. And, the, the, uh, it, and it certainly is a certain calling. And the first thing I want you to see is that there was no denying it was from God. In fact, Jonah starts out by saying, this is the word of the Lord. And as the scripture begins to unpack for us what it is that God was calling us to do. Really, in, in one simple verse, God gives Jonah the when, the where, the what, and the why. 
And we're going to walk through those for just a second, but I want you to see how, how much of a mouthful it really was, this verse 2. Now, for the when, it's now, because God says to Jonah, arise. And I want you to understand this about God. God is always speaking to us action verbs. Arise, repent, seek. And that's, that's one way that you know that I'm really tied into the life of God is that when you understand that God calls us to get up and function for him in the world. So if we're asking the question, when, the answer is now, because God says to Jonah, arise. And maybe you're here today and you're kind of struggling through the Christian faith because you can sense that God is speaking to you and God is calling you and you can't quite put your finger on it yet, but you're just in this general understanding and knowledge that God is at work in your life and you can't quite put your finger on what it is yet and you haven't heard from God like Jonah heard from God, but, but God will clarify for you. Again, when God seeks to give a clear word to you, you won't miss it. And what we'll learn from the life of Jonah is even when you want to miss it, <laughs> you won't miss it. When, now, God says, arise. And I make this point a lot, but I just want to say it again. This is not a suggestion or a question. God is not begging Jonah. It's a command. Arise. Where? Well, to Nineveh specifically. God says, arise and go to Nineveh. And then the what part, the what? He says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to call out against Nineveh. Some of your translations will say, cry out against Nineveh. And that may be lost on you in translation. It simply means that Jonah is to function as a prophet. He is to go to the city of Nineveh and he is to cry out God's righteous judgment over the city. Call out. Why? Because their evil has come before me. One verse. All of this rich theology and understanding about how God communicates with his people. I mean, there's, there's so much there. God calls us to action. God calls us to people that we normally wouldn't think to get up and go. We'll discover in a little bit today, but certainly in the coming weeks, that if you would have asked Jonah, Jonah, where would you like to go and serve? Where would you like to go and preach? Where would you like to go and function as a prophet? Where would you like to go? Just, just point on the map, Jonah. Pick a spot that you want to go and serve. In his entire life, he never would have picked Nineveh. Now, there's a hard truth for itself, right? Sometimes God calls us to do things that we wouldn't normally do if we were choosing what it was. So God calls us to action. He, he calls us sometimes to hard tasks. And here's what's so interesting, is that when you look at what God called Jonah to do, it doesn't make sense that he ran. And we'll look at that verse in a second. 
But God was calling Jonah to go and cry out against Nineveh. To really lay out their sin before them. I mean, this is a calling that God has given to Jonah. He said, Jonah, I want you to go into the middle of that city. And I want you to cry out against them. Because their evil has come before a holy God. You would think he'd say, oh, that'd be awesome. I'll go do that. But while, while the Lord gave Jonah a clear and certain calling, Jonah gave the Lord a clear and certain response. And I want for us to linger here for a few minutes because I think it's important for us to understand so that the entirety of the study will make sense as well. I want to make two observations this morning about Jonah's clear and certain response to God's clear and certain call. And the first one is this. It isn't that Jonah simply didn't do it, but the metaphor here or the symbolism is really powerful because if you look on a map and you look at where God called Jonah to go and you look at exactly what he did, he actually did the precise and exact opposite of what God called him to do. For Jonah to go to Nineveh from where he was, he had to travel northeast. He had to go up and he had to go to the east. And when, if you look in verse 3, it says what he did. He wanted to go to Tarshish. You know what you had to do to go to Tarshish? Not go northeast. He had to go southwest. And so for those of us who aren't familiar with our Bible maps in the back of our Bible and we don't exactly understand, I want, you to, I want you to hear this. Jonah did the exact opposite of what God called him to do. Now this is a man of God. This is a prophet. This is somebody that God has given a specific commission to. There's no doubt that it's from God. There's no doubt of what Jonah is supposed to do. And yet he does the exact opposite. Now before we move on, I want to pull back a veil of comfort. This is important for me to keep in, in the front of my mind and my heart and life. This is important for me to have discovered and continue to live on and to live by. I don't have to do the exact opposite of what God has called me to do to be disobedient. You say, sometimes we think in terms of, well, if God has called me to go northeast, as long as I don't go southwest, I'm in the will of God. No. If Jonah would have stayed right where he was, he would have been in rebellion. If Jonah would have went northwest, he would have been in rebellion. If Jonah would have gone to another city, And began to cry out against that city because of their sin. He would have been in disobedience to God. And I have to tell you, over the course of my years, there's been times where I have been tempted to trick myself into thinking that I'm doing what God has called me to do. Because I'm not doing the exact opposite. But if you're making notes, would you write this down? Partial obedience is complete disobedience when it comes to following the Lord. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. Now, the second observation that I find interesting 
indicting something that's a good thought for us as we try to navigate culture and life in our own personal walk with the Lord and marrying that to the way that we live our life and our culture is this thought. Jonah actually spent money to run from God. He took his hard-earned money and he put it down to buy a ticket to get on the boat. So it's not just that he was struggling and it's not just that he began to rebel. He started spending his money on his rebellion. And I thought to myself as I was studying and getting ready for this message, how how often do we spend money on things that help us run from God? Now, it it would be different for you. Like, maybe your rebellion isn't getting in a boat and going the opposite direction. But if you were to just spend some quiet moments with you and the Word of God and in the presence of God, and you were just to, like, take stock of your life and say, you know, in the ebb and flow and in the rhythm of my life, I... I look at my life and I look at the pattern of my purchases and I notice that there's an area of my life where it is not under the lordship of Jesus and it is so not under the lordship of Jesus that I'm actually spending my money to help me rebel against God. Look with me in verse 3 if you would. Let's just kind of go back to the scripture and and look in verse 3. It says this. It says, Jonah rose to flee from the presence of the Lord, and he went down and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare. He was so adamant at disobeying God, he was willing to pay and spend money. And you ask yourself, don't you, how did he get this far this fast? I mean, this is a man who's hearing the voice of God call him into ministry. He's a person in the community of faith. And in a matter of moments, he's in such deep rebellion that he's literally going the opposite direction from where God wants. And he's spending his money to rebel, which kind of begs the $1 million question, right? Why? Why would he not just go? And we're going to discover the answer to that over the course of the weeks. But I do just want to put this thought in your mind as we ask it today, because it needs to be asked today. Because Jonah hated Nineveh. It wasn't because he was afraid. I used to think it was because he was afraid because when I studied the book of Jonah, I never studied it all together. It was like, you know, one month I would look at this passage and another month I would look at this one. And I always envisioned, you know, Nineveh was known for being a violent and rough city. And God is calling Jonah to go into the middle of the city and cry out against it. And so for me, like in my mind, growing up in a big city where there were gangs, I was thinking about, so that would be like God calling me to go to the most violent gang in one of the largest cities in the United States of America and just start calling out against it. No wonder Jonah didn't want to do it. That's scary. But that's not it. It was his hatred. And we'll know that at the end of the story when the Ninevites repent and come to God and Jonah doesn't celebrate. He weeps. He's angry that God saves the Ninevites. 
And so I think to myself, look at what hatred can do for a person who follows God. Even for people in the community of faith, when hatred grips our hearts, we start longing for ruin over redemption. Because Jonah wanted Nineveh to burn to the ground and he wanted God to bring the judgment. And so a person of God would rather run from his calling and watch the city burn than to obey God and give them a chance at repentance and redemption. Now you know why I said that Jonah delivers some really hard truths? Because I have to think about the people in my life. And is there a group of people? Is there a person? Is there a demographic? Is there a population that I would rather watch come to ruin than be redeemed? That's hatred. Hatred is so strong that it caused Jonah, a prophet of God, to run from the presence of God instead of serve him. That's how strong hatred is. Hatred is so strong that it caused Jonah to be remembered as a fool instead of a servant of God. That wakes me up. When I sit in my office and study the book of Jonah, it speaks a sobering word that even though I'm in the community of faith, that doesn't mean that I don't struggle with this and that you don't struggle with this. And this idea that there's a demographic of people that if we could, we would point them out to God and say, look, God, look at these horrible people. Destroy them, God, instead of longing for their repentance and their redemption. Now listen, if that's not you, praise God. That means you are on your journey. But I just want for us to remember that even for a guy who would be considered faithful, even for a guy who God was calling out to be a prophet, even for a person who had his marching orders from God and had a clear call and a certain call, And he had been called by God to do this great work for the Lord. Even those people can fall to hatred. And so we have to be careful. We have to really be careful. We'll unpack that more as the weeks go on. But I think it's fair for us today when we look at how clear God is in verses 1 and 2. And then we look at how rebellious Jonah is in verse 3. I think it's fair for us to ask this morning, why? Why would this guy be running the opposite direction and spending his own money on rebelling against God? And when it's all said and done, we will understand. It is because Jonah hated the Ninevites. Now, to be fair to Jonah, he's not the only Hebrew person that hated the Ninevites. They were actually enemies of God's people. They were violent. They were always putting together plans to go to war against God's people, to go fight the Hebrew people. And that's why I said, if we look at this entire series, we will discover a lot about the heart of God. And here's what we'll discover every single week that we look at Jonah. Even those people who position themselves as enemies to God, God still pursues 
Even the people who hate the things of God and would bring God's kingdom to ruin and destruction, God sends a missionary, a prophet, a voice. Think about the heart of God. How incredible is it that the Ninevites, who hated God, sends a prophet to declare their evil before him so that they might repent. Incredible story. And we've only looked at three verses. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be life-changing. Now, before we close, I want to share with you two ways I think we're all like Jonah. And I will prep you. One is incredibly positive and encouraging, and one is a challenge. And the first one is this. All of us, just like Jonah, we have the calling to be of service to God. Now, I understand that that doesn't mean that my calling is exactly like Jonah's. But what it does mean is that God has this this history and this reputation of calling his people to put them into the service of God. And at the fellowship, we understand that not one person can do everything that there is to be done. And that's one of the things that I love about the fellowship is that we... We understand and we celebrate that every one of us in the kingdom of God has been called to serve God. And I just want you to know that just like Jonah, you have value and service in the kingdom of God. Now, I understand that you may not have discovered what that is yet. And you may be saying, well, I don't know what God has called me to do. And if that's you, may I just speak a word to you specifically this morning? Keep doing what you know to do. You may be here this morning saying that God hasn't given me my Jonah moment or my Jeremiah moment or my Ezekiel moment. But you do know that God wants you to seek his face, love him and love people. So while you're waiting for the Lord to unveil what it is that he has for you to do, keep doing what you know God wants you to do. And the good news is that just like Jonah, God allows us to serve in his kingdom. But just like Jonah, we have all sinned against God. And I told you a moment ago, I think it's very fair for us to ask the question, why would Jonah do this? Why would... Why would Jonah hear God and then intentionally rebel against him? And we answered the question because Jonah hated the Ninevites. But really, when we leave today, the question that we need to work out in our own hearts and minds and souls isn't necessarily why did Jonah rebel against God? It's why did I? That's the question I have to answer. To the extent that I am rebelling against God, it's not why did Jonah do it? It's why am I doing it? And so just like Jonah, we have the awesome call into the service of God, just like Jonah, and I'll speak for me, I have sinned against God. But what's the solution? That's what's so beautiful about communion Sunday mornings is it perpetually highlights for us 
that while we are sinners, and the Bible says that all of us are sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, when we take communion, we are reminded that Jesus truly is the solution to our rebellion and our sin. And when we fought against God and we were enemies with God and when we rebelled against God and we were disobedient to God, just like the Ninevites, God sent rescue. And I want you to feel that today. I want you to more than know that. I want you to feel that today when we receive communion, that when we take the bread and we remember that symbolically that is the broken body of Jesus on the cross as a solution to the fact that, just like Jonah, we have rebelled against God. And when we take the juice that reminds us and is symbolic for the shed blood of Jesus on the cross to cover my sin and your sin. We remember that Jesus is the solution to our sin. So I do want for you to wrestle with that question if you are in rebellion, why? But more than anything today, I want for us to turn a corner and close by celebrating that while it is true that just like Jonah, I am guilty of rebellion and sin against God, there's a way, and his name is Jesus. And it has been an incredible morning of remembering that, looking and watching baptism as people are baptized and make that declaration that I have sinned against God, but Jesus has redeemed me, and so I go into the water and come up as a symbol of Christ cleansing them. We sang that great song, Lord, how I need you. Every hour I need you. And really this morning has been one sacred moment after the next of reminding us what we learn in Jonah, that just like Jonah, we have run from God, but Jesus is our solution. So I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. We're going to pray before we receive communion. And as you stand, and before we pray, if I may give just a little bit of logistical help, uh, we will receive the bread first, and we'll read some scripture, and then we'll take the bread together, and then we'll take the juice as well. And you will receive a little cup of juice if you would hold that cup. And as you leave the worship center today, there'll be a place for you to put it uh, in the trash as we close today. But I want to give you a chance to pray today as you think about what we've discovered with Jonah, these three incredible rich verses about God's clarity and our Jonah's rebellion. Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe there's a specific action that he is requiring of you today. Can I just say to you, obey the Lord. If these three verses teach us anything, it is that even people in the community of faith can rebel. 
And I just speak a word to you today. Respond to the Lord. Or celebrate that the sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient to cover me of when I have sinned and rebelled against the Lord. That's the good news. That's why we do this every month, to remind us that what we could not do for ourselves, Jesus did it. Would you bow? Can we just pray? And after we pray, we'll distribute the elements. But Lord Jesus, you are so good to us. It is uncomfortable to face man's rebellion against you. But your heart for the Ninevites, that even in a season of rebellion against you, that you would send one of your own. We are so encouraged today. We're encouraged by Kim and Dorn. Dorvin's actions of obeying you in baptism. We're encouraged with communion. We're encouraged by the word of God. And so we just stand before you in your presence, God. We focus our attention on the cross. on what it means to take communion. We remember on that day, obedience wasn't clean and encouraging. It was gruesome and excruciating. And so we thank you for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords who came and redeemed his people. And as we receive communion, we do so to remind ourselves of your sacrifice and to glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.